This was the first time I've been able to spend some time with Brother Chris Green. I'm going to tell you what, he is apostolic. He's a man of God. He's very led of the Spirit. And so Antioch is going to be greatly blessed by him. Uh, he's from Austin, Texas, full-time evangelist. So if you could just clap your hands and give a warm welcome to Brother Chris Green. Praise the Lord, everybody. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful that we've got a church where we can come and worship the King of kings and Lord of lords? Hallelujah. We worship you, mighty God. We thank you for your presence that's in this place. And everybody said, hallelujah. Come on, give a great shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read several verses very quickly from this chapter. This is where I feel to go. Praise the Lord. Amen. Had a wonderful time at youth camp. Tremendous, tremendous move of the Holy Ghost. And as Pastor Mike was just saying concerning the response... There's, there's never been a move of God where there wasn't first a response to the word of God. And so I, I want to let you know the good news was not that we just had a move of God, but that there was a response to the moving of God and to the word of God. And those young people, I'd had to just about take my belt off and whip them to sit them down because they were so misbehaving in the Holy Ghost they almost wouldn't let me preach a sermon. They wanted to just flood the altars. And, and uh, in fact, every time I came to the pulpit, I would have to tell them to go back and sit down because they were just so hungry. They were just so thirsty for the things of God. I tell you that in faith because I know that God is going to do and he is doing things that we have never seen before. And I believe that he is using this generation. I truly believe that there's young people that are going to see things that they have never seen before. And, and I want young people, I want, and I'm still young, I'm in my 30s, but I want young people that are, in, that are teenagers, that are in that generation to do greater things than I have ever done, see things that I've never seen, preach sermons greater than I've ever preached them. Because the Bible prophesies that the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain. And I believe that it is happening now. Somebody say it's happening now. Amen. I give honor to this church, to Pastor Wright and to Bishop Wright. He did amazing, an amazing job in the day services. And I was so thankful to link up with him. Amen. It's good to have my wife and my son with me. They weren't able to be with me at youth camp, but they flew in Friday. Amen. 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 Thankful they're here with me. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, I'm going to start in verse 1. The Bible says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was great persecution. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 3, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed the people it says in unity responded unto those things which Philip spake hearing and seeing 
the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. Verse 12, jump all the way down to verse 12. It says, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 14, now when the apostles were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he has fallen, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. I want you to focus again on verse 8 and it says this, And there was great joy in that city. This is where I want to take our focus this morning. I want to preach to you for just a few moments. Great joy in the city. Would you turn to somebody and say, there is great joy in this city. Let's just release our faith for just a moment. Would you lift up your hands, Lord? We open our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits to you. For there is only one Lord, and we worship you in spirit and in truth with all of our mind, our heart, our soul, and our strength. God, we don't ask you to show up. You're already here. In fact, this is your house, and we're thankful that you've invited us here to your house. And because this is your house, we simply want you to know that you are invited to do whatever you want to do and speak whatever you want to speak. And we thank you in advance, God, for those who will receive the gift of your spirit today, for those who will choose to be baptized, having all of their sins washed away. We thank you for the physical healing, the spiritual healing. We thank you for the prophetic. We thank you for the word of direction. We simply thank you for who you are, God. We give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. One more time, everybody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, go ahead. Clap your hands with faith. Hallelujah, Lord. We release a spirit of praise and of worship unto your throne in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated for just a few moments. Amen. It's an amazing thing to even just take a moment without going into the commentaries and dictionaries and the Hebrew and the Greek and all of the the areas of study that you could find the deeper context and historical meaning of what's happened here in the book of Acts chapter 8. But it wouldn't take but just a few moments to understand that, and most of us here would already know, that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had promised them and prophesied to them concerning the promise of the Father. He said, For them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father that they would be filled with power from on high. In Acts 1.8, he said that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And they were asking them, well, when are all these things going to take place? And when are you going to restore your kingdom? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Isn't that how we always are? We're always wondering when things are going to happen and take place. When is this going to happen? Anytime anybody gives you a word, one of the worst things my wife can ever do in our relationship is to tell me she has a surprise for me and not give it to me right now. 
She knows even even more than that. We were on the phone just the other day. She was in Oregon where she's from. And she said, oh, remind me to tell you about something that happened. It was crazy. You got to remind me to tell you later what happened. And I'm like, well, tell me right now. I'm reminding you now. Tell me now. She's like, I can't tell you right now. I'm with my family and I got to call you tomorrow. I said, no, I can't go to bed thinking about what happened. Tell me right now, you know. We always got to know right now. And we're always wondering, when is it going to happen? When am I getting the surprise? When is this going to take place? And this was somewhat of a surprise for them. They understood that that this promise was going to come. They had learned about it. They had taught about it. They had believed about it for hundreds of years. And Jesus said, it's about here. It's about to take place. And they said, when? We've been waiting. We've lived with you, walked with you uh, for the last three and a half years. And you've got to tell us. We watched you die. And now you're resurrected. You just walked up into our house without knocking on the door. And you spooked us half to death. And now you're just saying you've got to go and you've got to sit on the throne and now you're saying it's better for us that you leave that none of this is making sense and now you're saying that your spirit is going to fall and no longer be with us but now in us and you just said but just wait just wait because it's going to happen it's not for you to know when it's going to happen it's just for you to be there when it does happen you don't have to know all the details of it i just want you to make sure that you are ready when it does take place We'll never know all the details. I told the youth, the young people this week that God will never give us all the details of direction that he has promised us. He's not going to tell you that, hey, I promised you to do this. Or I, he prophesies something and says, this is what's going to happen in your life in five years from now or even five days from now. And then he doesn't say, well, this is going to take place in a year. And this is every step that's going to lead you to that destiny. He doesn't give you the address to plug into your GP and navigate left and right and go five yards and go six miles because all of that would be a step of understanding but God has never once called us to live by walking with understanding rather he has called us to live to walk by everybody say faith And what I have seen many times is that in my personal walk with God, and since this is my first time preaching here, I won't point my finger out here too much yet. Maybe tonight come back and I'll start judging you. No, I'm kidding. But, But I can tell you that in my personal walk with God, many things have been compromised or stalled or delayed because I tried to walk with understanding and not walk by faith. I've said, if I can see it, if I can explain it, if I can understand it, if it adds up, if it makes sense, then I will go, I will do, I will answer, I will do what you've called me to do. Anybody else been like that in your life? That, God, I know you've told me to do this. I know that this is going to happen. I know that I've got to live by faith. But could you just somehow give me some details and let me eavesdrop on your plan that I could know that when I do step out by faith it's all going to come together I'm not going to die and amen I remember the first time I learned about seeing this concept called stepping out by faith rather than understanding I remember I was in Vienna Austria and Brother Robinette, who some of you, he's, he's probably preached here. Or he's preached around here. I don't know. He's preached in the district, but uh, he's been a missionary. He's now the superintendent of the German-speaking nations, Germany, Austria, Liechtenstein, Switzerland. You say that five times fast, you'll speak in tongues. But um, he's the superintendent over there. He was pastoring a church called the Church of Acts 
there in Vienna, Austria. And he, in my, this is my opinion. This isn't the Bible. This is my opinion. I think he's just one of the greatest men of God that's ever lived. He's seeing really in his personal ministry, he's seeing people all over the world, more and more people, thousands and tens of thousands of people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this man, who's a mentor of mine, he calls me and says, I want you to come to Vienna to do a Holy Ghost rally. And I'm like, what? I said, that's like Michael Jordan asking me to teach his kids to dunk a basketball, you know, like that doesn't make sense. And he's like, no, 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 someone else needs to come. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor here and we need an evangelist to come in. And so we came and, and he didn't give me the details. He didn't know the details until I got there that he had told me, he said, Hey, um, I, I wonder, are you, you're available Saturday afternoon, right? I was like, yeah, you know, you're the boss. Tell me what to do. He said, well, Saturday we're going to have a Muslim revival. And I said, a Muslim revival. How did this take place? He said, well, um, two years ago, we had a young man named Arash who came here from the country of Iran or Iran, however you would pronounce it. He said he came here from Iran and, and he came here to go to school and and Aras came somehow came to our church, the Church of Acts, where God filled him with the Holy Ghost and baptized him in Jesus' name. He was a Muslim man. He worshipped Allah until he came to the Church of Acts where God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he said the last two years God has put a ministry inside this young man and he's graduated from college but he has stayed here he's got a citizenship here in vienna now he's doing things for god it's amazing what aras is doing he was telling me and he said but the last couple of weeks now remember this is a pretty new convert uh, he's only been in church for two years and the rest of his life he was worshiping allah uh, in the re- religion of islam and now he's a christian and god's already giving him dreams and visions and he said aras knocked on my door just two nights ago and he when i opened the door aras was standing there he said he was shaking trembling and had tears in his eyes and he said brother robinette i've seen a vision and i've had dreams and 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 brother robinette said well what are you seeing he said in these dreams i'm seeing a group of iranian muslim men and women on a train behind me in the train with me standing behind me in vienna on the way to the church of acts to be baptized in the name of jesus he said i can't explain these dreams i can't explain it but we've got to do something about it and brother robinette said well did you realize arash that in the last 12 months over 100,000 iranian muslim refugees have moved into the city of vienna and are now living in refugee camps around our city he said maybe this is god telling you that this isn't by accident that they weren't scattered here by accident but that god is going to use their tragedy and turn it in to a word and testimony of triumph Well, let me just stop right there and show you that in the book of Acts, the Bible says that Saul was making havoc of the church, that he was tearing the church apart, uh, that he was destroying every bit of the Christian church that he possibly could. Uh, He would literally walk into churches like this, uh, and he would get up to the pulpit or to the platform, if you will, and he would ask, how many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And if you raised your hand, you were guilty, uh, and people would come in, he would give the signal the cue and soldiers Roman soldiers would come in and arrest you they would take you to be persecuted and most likely crucified or killed or have your head cut off simply because you raised your hand and said that I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God and the Bible says that the church of God was greatly persecuted against and because of this great persecution they were scattered abroad that means 
means that you would have to leave your husband or your husband would have to leave your wife or you'd have to leave your children or your family that from that day that they persecuted you they scattered you abroad you couldn't go to home to mama's good cooking that day you couldn't have a bible study next week at that church you were scattered to a city an unknown location a different country a different place that you had never been to never seen before scattered abroad not for vacation but because of persecution but the bible says in acts chapter 8 and verse 4 it says that they who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word of god See, there's something about an apostle, something about somebody that claims to be apostolic that says, hey, devil, if you do scatter me abroad, if you do divide me from my family or my job, you will never silence my testimony. You will never silence my praise, never silence my worship, never silence my song, never silence the word of God. You can put me wherever you want, but you will never silence silence me I feel like there's somewhat of a spiritual tenacity in this church I've never been here before but I know that this church has taken a few lickings in your time but it's that spiritual tenacity that knows how to take a licking and just keep on ticking that says hey if you knock me down you ain't gonna keep me down rejoice not against me oh my enemy for when I fall I shall arise I can't hear anything. Somebody lift up your hands right now and say, God, I will not be stopped. I will not be silenced. I will not be defeated. But I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I am a born-again, blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled believer of the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody lift up a voice and shout, yes. Scattered abroad, but scattered out preaching. In fact, what's interesting to me is that if they had not been persecuted... They would have been isolated. They would have been confined. They would have stayed right there. But God said, no, there's a greater purpose to this gospel, to this word. It's going to go all over the world. And if you're going to find this is where I see it in the scripture. It was as if God was saying, if you're going to stay right here, I'll allow the persecution to take you where I want you to go. That's why you read in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says, And these are they who have turned the world upside down. But if they had never been scattered abroad, the testimony might only be, And these are they who have turned Jerusalem upside down. But thank God for the devil. Thank God for persecution. Thank God for thank God for the enemy ruffling my feathers and getting me out of my comfort zone and pushing me to places I never thought I would go. Because when I got there, I was the devil's worst nightmare. I did not silence my testimony. Oh, hallelujah. And these Muslim 
refugees had been scattered abroad to the city of Vienna, Austria. And here I was, my wife and I there. And Brother Robinette says, tomorrow we're having a Muslim service because when Aras was in my house, I said, Aras, we don't have time to play games. We need to have revival right now. Everybody say, right now. He said, this is the time right now. And Aras said, well, we don't have the money to do it. And we haven't drawn up the blueprint to do it. And we don't have a team of people to do it. He said, no, no, no. We cannot wait. God is on his way back. We've got to have this revival right now. I know this is a simple word, but I feel just to release this word of faith in this church this morning. We cannot wait another day, another week, another. We've got to have the revival that God has promised us right now. And you said we've already had revival. We haven't seen it all yet. David said, will you revive us again? Will you revive us again? Will you revive us again that your people will rejoice? Hallelujah. I'm just going to talk about this. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. But we need revival again. Everybody say those two words, revival again. We need revival again. I'm just walking. I don't have any notes right now. I'm just following the Holy Ghost of what I feel about this thing. You see, it was Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 who said, I was in the right place at the right time. And I got the privilege to see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was saying, I saw his power. I saw his majesty. I saw him in his glory. I I saw the resurrected Jesus Christ as one who was born out of due time. He said, but I wasn't the only one. He started naming a few people. And then he said, and there was over 500 people who saw Christ in his glory and resurrection and power at the same time. And then he gives us this phrase. He says, speaking of the 500 that saw him in his power, that he said, of whom the greater part remain, but some have fallen asleep. (laughs) He's speaking of those that (laughs) experienced the tangible manifestation of Jesus Christ in his glory and power. He's speaking of those who stood there toe-to-toe with the resurrection power of God Almighty. And they were there. They were eyewitnesses. They were ear witnesses. They were hand witnesses. They could touch them. They could see them. They could hear them. They were right there. And he said, but some of them have fallen asleep. He's speaking of the physical terms of some have died off. Some are not here anymore. But I see that in our day that there are many of those who once were with us and once stood in this altar, even lingered on this platform in ministry. They witnessed, they experienced the tangible manifestation of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And for whatever reason, I'm not here to judge, condemn, or disparage anyone's experience. But for whatever reason, some of them have fallen asleep. And the the real truth is, if we were to go around and and ask you to raise your hand, if you know someone that has spiritually fallen asleep, that's no longer here, no longer with us, we could all raise our hand today. But that's what the spirit of revival is all about. Revival, you know what the definition of revival is? Revival means a reawakening of faith in the church. A reawakening of faith in the church. One morning I woke up, and this my wife will tell you this. She she probably wishes this happened every day. It happens 
maybe twice in my life. I woke up speaking in tongues. Normally, I got to eat at least, you know, four bowls of Lucky Charms before I speak in tongues. But, but this morning, it was just, you know, one of those weird mornings. I woke up speaking in tongues and God was all over me, moving on me. And, and I started praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, I have a design. I have a plan to awaken the sinners of this city he said but before i can awaken the sinners of the city i've got to reawaken the saints in my church i've got to reawaken them to my faith and to my word i've got to reawaken them to that prayer life they used to have i've got to reawaken them to that passion and that desire that they once held deeply in their heart i've got to i wish i was speaking to somebody i'm telling you what i'm not telling about i'm telling you that god wants to reawaken some people that used to sit here in these pews next to you. Uh, He wants to reawaken. Pastor Mike, am I telling the truth? Did we not run into a family last night who used to be here and God put them in line with a family? We went out to eat an hour away, 30 minutes away, and put them in line with a family that that needs this word again, who used to be here. And there's no judgment there. There's an open door of grace and of love that says, hey, we've still got the power. We've still got the word. We've still got God's grace. I wish you'd throw up your hands right now uh, and release faith uh, to somebody's family uh, that needs to be uh, reawakened in the Holy Ghost. Well, here we go. I'm going to veer off in the Holy Ghost for just a second. But see, I'm not just throwing words out there. I, I, I'm, I'm one. I was born into this, but not raised in this. And I don't have time to go into it all. I'm going to tell you the 32nd portion of the story. I'm fifth generation apostolic Pentecostal. But when I was two, my family left Pentecostal. They left the truth and started an independent, compromised, charismatic church that didn't have an ounce of the truth. I was raised in that church. I, I know what it is to live on the other side of the fence. Don't ever look on the other side and think man uh, they got greener grass over there because they don't have a relationship with God they don't have the holiness of God but yet they get to do whatever they want sometimes the grass on the other side of the fence is greener because it's artificial grass I lived on that side of the fence I was raised on that side of the fence take it from me I was raised in the delusion that the Bible talks about uh, I was raised I don't I didn't know anything about you crazy Pentecostals until I was 16 years old my family was completely backslidden from this truth uh, but when I was 16 uh, because of some circumstance that scattered me from my future I broke my arm at a baseball tryout at Louisiana State University I was scattered abroad from my plans and my agendas uh, but God said I'm scattering you to put you in position for 
my purpose. Uh, and what happened, I was 16 years old. Uh, and I, I can't tell you how it even happened, but I, I went to Texas uh, United Pentecostal Church District Camp Meeting. It's a lot of words. You, let's just say UPCI Texas camp meeting. I was 16 years old. I went with a friend of mine and I remember walking into that campground, that tabernacle, that seats over 10,000 people. And there was at least 8,000 there on that first night. And I walked in by the second song and you crazy people were dancing and carrying on and running the aisles. I mean, it was like a Holy Ghost party up in that place. And I didn't know what it was, uh, but I started walking to an empty pew. And before I could get to an empty pew, uh, I started shaking and trembling and crying. And and I fell to my face at 16 years old. Uh, and I asked God, I said, God, what is this? Uh, I've never seen this before. Uh, I've never felt this before. And God spoke back to this 16-year-old boy and said, I used to show up like this at your church. I used to show up like this at your church. But you have compromised to the world. You have fallen away and you have pushed my presence outside the church. He said, but I'm standing at the door knocking. And if anyone would hear my voice and open the door and let me in, I would come back into your church like this. I ran out of that tabernacle. See, going back to understanding and experience, I didn't understand what just happened. But I had an experience that nobody could negotiate with me. I ran out of that tabernacle. I called my dad and I said, Dad, this is what's just happened. This is what God just said. And my dad was now the pastor of this compromised church. Uh, my dad was speechless, trembling on the other end of the phone. He hung up. Uh, he called my mother My mother to the living room. He said, Pamela, get in here. Something's happened to our son. She came running in and he said, Pack your bags. We're headed to Lufkin the Texas campground, he said, because our son has just found what our church has lost. The next day, my parents showed up who were once Pentecostal, who were once a part of this and now completely compromised in every which way you could imagine and walked right into that tabernacle where they had been raised as kids, but it backslidden with bitterness. And now they walked back in that tabernacle, came to the altar where God restored them with the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And today my dad and mom are Pentecostal pastors of United Pentecostal Church. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. There's nobody that's too far lost. There's nobody that's too far gone. There's nobody that's too confused. There is no drug addict that's too addicted. Uh, there's no alcoholic that's too drunk. Uh, there is ha, ha, there is no person that's so far lost uh, that God cannot turn them around. God, reawaken us. Reawaken us. Revive us that there can be joy in this city. I'm going to have to skip some things here, but I'm going to tell you something else. I was preaching one time at a youth group of 12 people. 
12 kids. The youth pastor had invited me and he said, this was his invitation. He said, last week we had about 25 or 30 kids. We had a church split and we've got 12 left. I need you to come preach to our youth that we've got left. 12 of them left. Most of them, he said, one of them is messed up with alcohol. Another one's messed up with drugs. Another's messed up with pornography. One of them has been sexually molested. Another one has been completely disowned from his family. He said, this is the group I need you to come preach to. I'm thinking, okay. What work can I preach here? And I'm preaching and the Lord stops me and says, I'm bringing a revival that these walls cannot contain. He said, and I'm going to bring it through them. And I just simply spoke that word and kept preaching. No big deal. And, and about five weeks or so later, the pastor of that church called me and he said, Hey, Chris, I need to tell you what's been going on in our church. Uh, he said, I haven't preached one sermon in five weeks. We haven't sang one song in five weeks. Uh, we haven't had one Sunday school class in five weeks. Uh, we haven't taken up one offering in five weeks. Uh, we haven't given the announcements one time in five weeks. I think my, I thought, my God, uh, did y'all close down the church? He said, not at all. He said, when you were here, we were running about 120. He said, and our 12 kids went into the prayer room an hour before church. They said, well, if God is going to use us as the vessel of revival, we ought to position ourselves and pray for God to use us. And one hour before Sunday school, that next Sunday morning, they were in the prayer room. It's on this side of the sanctuary. And he said, when I walked in 30 minutes before Sunday school, they were all drunk and slain in the spirit, speaking in tongues. He said, then it was time for Sunday school. And the Sunday school teacher said, well, what do we do? This is our class you know who do we teach to he said forget sunday school this is better than sunday school this is real revival right here so then another hour goes by and it's time for worship service you know we got to have our church service just right have the songs just right and have the announcements just right ain't nobody ain't getting anything from god right no not up in here not in this church i can tell you right now you see our schedule is plan b plan a is for god to show up This pastor said, well, this is better than our schedule. Why don't we carry the kids into the sanctuary? They carried them in, picked them up, laid them down at the altar. He said, and every person went to their face. He said, and for the next four hours, the Holy Ghost just swept in, and everybody was slain, drunk in the Holy Ghost. I said, wow, that's amazing. That happened five weeks ago. He said, yeah, but it's happened every single Sunday since. He said, every Sunday I walk in and the kids are slain in the spirit. We carry them in two hours later and we just have a prayer revival. He said, but here's what's amazing. He says, we are, we are, uh, we're, we're growing. He said, we're almost doubled. They had almost 300 people five weeks later. And he said, Chris, uh, there's visitors that are coming. He said, I spoke to one visitor who said, pastor, I was just driving to the grocery store a few days ago. And when I passed by your building, it was like a fire that reached out and grabbed me and I knew I got to get to that building next time they, they had church. And, but here's what I said all that to say this. Uh, he said, and we're having backsliders, people who haven't been here in years coming back. Uh, he said, we haven't called one of them. We haven't knocked on any of their doors. Uh, he said, we've just been having revival right here in our church. Uh, he said, and people that used to be on our platform, people that used to minister, people that used to preach and teach uh, are coming back uh, by the droves. And he said, I went, watch this. Uh, he said, I went to one of them and said, hey, man, what, 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 tell me, what brought you back to church today? I thought I would never see you again. 
again. I've been praying for you, but I just, I didn't know if I'd ever see you again. What brought you back? And this backslidden man who came back that day, he said, well, pastor, for the past five weeks, I've not been able to sleep. He said, it's like I've been tormented in my mind. He said, and every night I go to bed, he said, I'm just attacked, attacked, attacked. He said, so finally last night I got out of bed and I prayed for the first time in years. And I said, God, you've got to deliver me from this devil that is tormenting me. He said, and God spoke to me and said, there's no devil tormenting you. It's the prayers of a church that's reaching for your salvation, that's reaching for your soul. There's a church down the street that's not giving up on you. There's a church down the street that's praying for you. That's why you can't sleep. Get up and go to church. On that sixth week, they had to take sledgehammers and knock out the back wall because there were so many new people and backsiders that had come back. Their walls could not contain the move of God that God had brought into that place. They had a brand new... I kid you not, we'll be there in two weeks. They had a brand new sanctuary in three days. And now on August the 15th, they're opening their brand new building that's going to seat over a thousand people right across the street. I'm telling you what, when we let God revive us, when we let God reawaken us, when we let God do what God wants to do, when we let God be God, God can show up and do whatever he wants to do I know this isn't your typical Sunday morning sermon, but I didn't have this in plan. I didn't have this in store today, but I feel the Holy Ghost has swept in and taken over this service. Uh, God has moved in and taken over this service. I want everybody to stand to your feet right now with faith and expectation. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Many of you in this church have been persecuted, have been tried, have been pushed against, have been opposed. Some of you have been scattered abroad from your plans. You've been scattered abroad from your personal agenda. Some of you have been scattered abroad even geographically to this place. And you've wondered what in the world is going on. Why has this taken place? And many of you that have been persecuted have suffered loss. But I feel the Lord has instructed me to tell you, stop looking and stop focusing on what you have lost. And be encouraged on what you've got left. <laughs> be encouraged that you still got breath in your lungs. Be encouraged that you still got a church to worship at. Be encouraged that you still, <laughs> be encouraged that you've still got a group of apostolic men and women. You may have lost some things, but you've got some things left that you can still give to God right now.
The Bible says in Acts chapter 8. We're not going to need it right now. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 that the church was scattered abroad. And then it designates, distinguishes one man. Everybody say one man. Philip. It doesn't say Philip and his prayer team. Philip and his disciples. Philip and his Antioch church. Philip and his prayer warriors. Philip went to Samaria. And two verses later, after he went to a place that didn't have an ounce of God, two verses later, the headline reads, And there was great joy in that city. One man, one person, one apostolic went into a city. Uh, The Bible says they were full of devils uh, and they were full of sickness uh, and they were full of diseases. Uh, But one man said, uh, I may have been scattered from my wife last night. Uh, I might have been separated from my children last night. Uh, And yes, it hurts. Uh, Yes, I'm painful. Uh, Yes, I'm grieving. Uh, But I've still got a purpose. Uh, I've still got a right uh, to speak the word of God. And the Bible says that the people who were possessed by devils were delivered. The people who were sick with with disease were cleansed. Those that were sick with palsies were instantly healed. And And the Bible says, and they responded with unity to Philip because they saw and heard the miracles which he did. I'm telling you, man, there's such a prophetic anointing in this place. My God. I'm telling you, young people, middle-aged and old people, everybody alike, the thing that you have been fighting up against, the thorn in your flesh, the valley in your life, God is trying to develop a ministry that you have never once operated in. That's why David could say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What happened on the other side of the valley? Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. David had two options. You can stay on this side of the valley in the green pastures and the still waters and have a good little life and a blessed life and a favored life. Or you can let God take you to the valley of the shadow of death and develop you and characterize you and mold you and shape you. I think David understood something that we're going to get today. That my anointing is only as deep as my valley. Some of you have been going through, man, I feel such a prophetic anointing in this place. Some of you have gone through valleys of the shadow of death. Some of you have gone through a valley, not the shadow of death, but the valley of death. You have gone through it. But God says, because you have not let go, because you have not wavered, yes, you may have failed. Yes, you may have fallen. Yes, you've made mistakes. But because you're still here, God says, I'm going to anoint your head with oil and your cup is going to run over I've developed a ministry inside of you. I'm going to bring words out of your mouth. I'm going to bring an anointing through your hands that you have never experienced before. If you believe that, I want you to lift up your hands right where you're standing. And I just want you to begin to praise God for just a moment. 
The Bible said God inhabits the praises of his people. I want you to begin to praise God for just a moment. Somebody just worship him, entertain his presence for just a moment. In the name of Jesus, God, we worship you. We have submitted to your sovereignty, but now we are standing in faith for your ability, God. Pour out your spirit of anointing. Pour out your spirit of authority. Pour out the dominion and power of your name and of your word. Pour it out in this service today. Let your people rejoice. Spring up, O well. Spring up, O well. Spring up, O well. Spring up, O well. Let the anointing of the Lord flow in this service. Hallelujah. There's an opportunity in this service right now. I want you to stay in tune for just a second. There's faith. There's faith in this service right now. People who are weary in your spirit and in your flesh are about to be refreshed are about to be revived, be reawakened in your mind and in your body and your spirit. The prayers that are prayed in this service, God is going to allow them to echo, echo through the streets and the neighborhoods and the networks of this region. In the name of Jesus Christ. This is how we're going to give this altar call right now. Now, this is going to take a step of faith, a step of honesty, and a step of sacrifice. There's going to be an opportunity for you to hesitate. There's about to be an opportunity for you to hesitate. I'm going to give you this, this, this altar call right now. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to stand right there and say, well, you know, I'm not sure, or what if other people think this, or they know I've gone through that and made this mistake. But if you will put your eyes on Jesus and on Jesus alone, there will be a faith that begins to rise in your spirit that completely, completely alleviates the pressure of insecurity and fear from those around you. If you will put your eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, the only thing I care about is receiving what you have prepared for me today. There will be zero, zero hesitation. And because of that, your faith, your response of faith, God is going to pour out an anointing on those who respond simply by faith. So I'm giving a call right now. If you are in this service today and you've said, God, it's not that I'm lost. It's not that I'm backslidden, but I need... I need a cold glass of water of your spirit. I need refreshed in my spirit right now. I need refreshed. I need refreshed in your anointing. 
I need refreshed in your word. I need refreshed in my faith. I need refreshed right now, God, in your authority in my life. Lord, there's things we've gone through. There's things that we're fighting, uh, and I just need a little refreshing today. Uh, I just need a little assurance today in my spirit. Uh, I just need the hand of God to rest upon my mind for just a moment. Uh, I just need the lifting of your spirit upon my life right now. Uh, I just need the wings of your spirit uh, to lift me up above my adversary. Uh, God, uh, I just need you to make my feet like hinds feet. Uh, and let me walk upon my high places. I want you to lift up your hands right now. And in the name of Jesus, every hand lifted. Every hand lifted. I want you to begin to let out a, a gut-wrenching worship unto God right now. Don't don't complain. Don't agonize, but let out a worship unto God. Hallelujah. Now for just a moment, what I want you to do is I want you to release your faith for someone else right now. Release your faith for someone else right now. I want you to pray right now. God, that person that's walked away, I want you to torment them in their sleep. I want you to torment them in at their work. I want you to disturb them in their day, God. Don't let them have an ounce of peace until they hear the prayers of a faithful church. Until they hear the prayers of a praying mama. Until they hear the prayers of a praying father. God, disturb them. Disturb that prodigal. Disturb that son. Disturb that daughter. In the name of Jesus. We receive the blessing of your compassion, God. We receive the favor, God, of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, 
I'm going to give one last word of instruction right now. I want to give one last word of instruction. Amen. I want you to listen for just a second. Everybody listen for just a second. In Jesus' name. We're going to take another step of faith. We're going to take one more step of faith. If you're praying, I want you to stop praying and I want you to listen right now. Because we're going to do this together in the name of Jesus. We're going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost right now. Amen. I'm giving you one more second to respond. I don't want anybody to be a distraction. For those of you that are praying, I'm asking you if you'll just hold on just a second. Don't worry, we're going to pray again. Amen. We're going to pray again. Trust me, the spirit isn't quenched. We're going to position ourselves in unity right now. And we're going to, we're going to collectively take a step of faith. Some of you are about to do something you've never done before. Don't get worried. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But we're going to walk in the prophetic. There's a prophetic anointing that's in this church today. And so we're just going to access it. We're going to activate it in our personal lives. We're going to access this prophetic faith for our family and for those that have walked away. Amen. First of all, what I want us to do is if you have already in your life received the gift of God's spirit, the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, would you raise a hand? Would you just keep it up for just a moment? Amen. Would you just keep that hand up for just a second and look around if there's any hands that are down. We're going to invite them in just a second to come. For those of you whose hands are down, I want us to make space right here in the front and center. For those whose hands are down, I want to invite you to come stand right here because today you're the VIP. Today God's going to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Now where's my hand raisers? Where's my hand raisers? Now this is how we act like the church. I want you to find someone whose hand is down. Is there anybody whose hand is down? And you're going to invite them yourself. Say, hey, brother, hey, sister, hey, friend. Would you come with me to the front? God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Here comes somebody right now. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want her to stand just right here if she's able to. Now, she's broken the ice. Are there anybody else whose hand is down? All the hands raised. Amen. There's a brother right here, maybe. You've got the Holy Ghost. All right, he's got it. Amen. Anybody out here? Man, we got a church full of people that, need, that already have the Holy Ghost. Amen. Awesome. You can put your hands down. But this is what's going to happen. Now, this is a word of faith. Here comes somebody else. I believe, Brother Mike, I believe after this service, after this prayer that you're going to pray, this prophetic prayer we're going to pray, that instead of having a church of people that have the Holy Ghost, we're going to see a church full of people that need the Holy Ghost. I told the youth this, that the reason why I say that is because we don't have to persuade God to fill anybody with the Holy Ghost. He was persuaded. That's why he went to the cross. He was persuaded. That's why he was beat on a whipping post. He was persuaded. That's why he said, and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. So I want you to believe with that kind of faith right now. If there's someone, I want you to see them in your mind. If there's a family member, a spouse, a child a parent, a loved one, a friend. And if you don't have any of those things, which I doubt you don't, I want you to think of this world. I want you to think of someone else. And what we're going to do 
is we're going to tap into the prophetic right now for just a few moments. I know it's time to go get your chicken legs, but just stay here as long as you I'm about to put the microphone down and you're dismissed. But what I want you to do is where you're standing, I want you to establish right where I'm standing, God, is where my wife is going to stand, is where my son is going to stand, is where my daughter is going to stand. Right where I'm standing, praying and speaking in tongues, this is where they're going to stand right here. I speak prophetically in the name of Jesus. I prophesy that that son or that daughter will stand right here speaking in tongues in the next few weeks in the name of Jesus. That's how we're going to pray. We're not going to ask God to do it. We're going to prophesy it to be so. So I want everyone right now to lift up your hands. Listen, don't pray yet. Just lift up your hands. Would everyone lift up both of your hands if you're capable? Now listen, just just watch. This is a sign. This is a sign of faith. We're positioned to receive right now. We've surrendered. We've surrendered our agenda. We've surrendered our doubt. And now this is a sign of faith. And what we're doing right now is we're saying, God... I'm going to receive the Holy Ghost for somebody else. I'm going to begin to speak in tongues for somebody else. And today they're going to feel the conviction of your spirit as I speak in tongues over them. And in the next few weeks, they're going to be standing right here speaking in tongues in this very spot. I want you to lift up your hands and this is what we're going to do. What I want you to do is I want you to position yourself with faith. I want you to lift your head up under heaven right now. And I want you to envision I want you to envision this word of faith coming to pass in the next few weeks. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to this preacher. All I'm going to do is release the word of faith in the name of Jesus. And when I shout hallelujah, I want everyone to respond by shouting hallelujah. And instantly when you shout hallelujah, the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this room like fire, like thunder, like lightning. It's going to fall like a sound of an abundance of rain. It's going to fall like a flood. And everyone, everyone, including these who haven't yet received it, everyone is going to begin speaking in other tongues in new sounds as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Your tongue is going to begin to tremble and shake uncontrollably as that prophetic anointing rests upon this place get ready to shout that word of praise get ready to speak in tongues and to prophesy in the holy ghost here it comes by the authority of the word of god we take dominion and power over every spirit of doubt and unbelief by the power of the name of jesus christ we reach for every lost soul and backslider that needs to be reawakened or awakened in your spirit by the authority of the name of jesus we claim the gift of your spirit of salvation speaking in other tongues through the gift of the holy ghost in the name of jesus Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, God, uh, we release your faith. Now, God, uh, we release your spirit. Uh, now, God, now, God. Hey. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, God fill everyone with the gift of the Holy Ghost.